Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hello, creatives. Really excited for our guest today, Pete from AmpJar. He's our first male guest on the podcast, and he's going to be concluding the 2020 podcast season. I mean, where did this year go? I have no idea how we've already finished our first ever podcast season. This year was wild. It went by so slow and also so fast. And I mean, we've just learned so much, but that's another conversation. Before we get started, I want to talk about our GGC holiday gift guide. So that's live on the site right now at grogangcraft.com gift. We have 150 female forward brands from the Bay Area and beyond, all listed on the site with different categories like candles, bath and body, we even have a cannabis section, a beverages section, a snack section, so lots of fun things. This tool was sort of birthed out of a way for you to all shop at home this holiday season and support small businesses. Because really, when you shop small, this is an act of resistance. It truly is. We want to keep the money away from the Amazons this year and right into our creative community. So I hope you'll use it to shop for your friends and family and maybe get a couple of things for yourself. So that's girlgangcraft.com slash gift. Just a quick word from our sponsors before we continue. So holiday season is basically here. And what are you doing to stand out? It's super important to have standout content on Instagram, but it's not the whole game. You've got to build your email list. You've got to send out killer emails. Likes and engagement are not the same as dollar signs. You want to get followers off your platform and onto your website so they can convert. Right now, it is so important to be driving traffic to your email list so you can convert followers into customers. If you don't have a newsletter, you have to start one right now. We actually switched to Flowdesk this year and we are obsessed with it because the templates are gorgeous, easy to use, plus it is so simple to make funnels, automations. We've got you with 50% off for life on Flowdesk at only $19 a month. So normally it's $39. $19 is so affordable and that number does not go up even if your list does. So head to bit.ly slash GGC Flowdesk. GGC is capitalized and so is the F of Flowdesk. And Flowdesk is SF based and female run. So let's make some sales this season, shall we? Make sure you've got the right tools to do so. Grab Flowdesk at 50% off for life, bit.ly slash GGC Flowdesk. Hello, creatives. Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast. Super excited today because we have our first male guest. So big deal. Really fun. He is the creator and founder of AmpJar. We've been working with AmpJar for a little bit. So you might have, you know, heard about them through our newsletter, or through our stories, or by watching our really cool AmpJar shoutouts. So yeah, Peter Davis is a marketing and social media expert who built his own agency that launched, built, and managed the social media presences of brands like Burt's Bees, John Frieda, Clarence, and Bior. Pete grew his Australian agency to a team of 20 
working with brands in six countries and sold it to private equity in late 2016. He is now the founder and CEO of AmpJar, a platform focused on creating karmic growth channels for consumer brands around the world. Welcome to the podcast, Pete. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So let's just get started right away. Can you tell us how you initially got the idea for AmpJar? Yeah. So I guess from our agency days, we would work with really big brands and we would put all the effort into creating great content for big brands and a content that works on social. And every time we would do that for someone like Burt's Bees, we'd put up a post and it would get okay in engagement. And then a tiny little company that had no right to take on someone like Burt's Bees would get just a lot more engagement because people actually genuinely love that brand. And so we were fighting and fighting for the big guys. And then we just saw that what the big guys did is that they just outpaid the small guys. So when we weren't getting the same engagement that the small brands got, that you know, if, you, if you're a little organic skincare brand out of Portland and you've just got a great story to tell, people love that. And yeah, the big guys were struggling. And so we, we would just pay to get the big guys more reach and they, and they would win overall. But it just wasn't the same. And so what we did is essentially we just saw how effective it was when you, are, when you have a genuine story to tell. And so, yeah, we wanted to help them out. We wanted to see what we could do. So we actually sold the agency and said that we think there's a big future in this small brand movement. There's something here that this new media landscape doesn't lend itself towards TV ads. It lends itself towards authenticity and lends itself towards messages that come from a place of heart and, you know, where you, you bring joy to your customers and those kind of things. So, yeah, we, we essentially said, why don't we see what we can do to help them out? And we actually first launched as an email builder. So the basic process was a brand would jump in and connect their Instagram into AmpJar and we would build email campaigns for them. And we got a few hundred brands using it and we sent millions of emails and it went pretty well. But the big insight we got again was across those first 5 million emails we sent, the average open rate on the emails was 42% and the average click rate was 5.2%. And that was nothing. Which is huge. Yeah, <laughs> huge. And, and when you're a big brand, when you're like Clarence or Biore or someone like that, you kind of hope to get maybe 18% open rate and you hope to maybe get like 3% click rate. And so these brands were getting huge results on their channels. And so we just knew that we were onto something, but we also... I'm sorry, it's such, such a long intro. But we all, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then we went to speak to these brands and said, okay, well, like we, we see this is working well for you, but like, what are your real pain points? Like, where do, what do you really care about? And they would say, so many of them said, look, I like engaging our customers. It's a really big thing. And we engage our customers every day on Instagram. And now we engage our customers every week on in email, but I need more customers. Like, that's what it comes down to. And so we put two and two together and said, all right, we've got one brand over here that sells jewelry to women in their 30s and 40s and we've got another brand over here that sells say baby products to women in their 30s and 40s what if instead of both of them going up to facebook to go and pay facebook to reach new customers we put them together and we found a way for them to shout each other out and help each other grow together genius totally genius so tell us a little bit about what amtar is now then yes yeah, so, and so right now the basic process of amtar is that we make everyone apply to join so you apply to join because we want to make sure we keep the quality really high in the community. And we're looking for three things. We're looking for brands that have great content, brands that have customers who love them, and brands that have you know, good stories and good con- and good product and those kind of things that could be shareable by someone else. And so people apply to join and then we match all of our members up with each other. 
So we'll match we'll match you up with people who have the customers that you want and that want to talk to the kind of customers that you have. And then what you can do is you can shout out these other brands in your social and in your email and in your post checkout on your website. So let me recap on that. So we'll match you up with brands and then you can shout each other out through those channels. So what that means is you're just going to share this brand somewhere and say, hey, we found this brand the other day. We thought that we thought you might like to check them out. And you're just having that conversation with your customer. And then that brand's also having a conversation with their customer about you. And we've got this whole community of brands that are just helping to shout each other out every day. So everyone's just getting in front of new people every single day. And I think that's great on so many levels because not only are you sharing customers, but I think it's so important for brands to connect with other brands, especially right now with, you know, little in real life connection. So connecting virtually has been, is just so exciting, I think. Yeah, we, we talk about that if you look at the most successful small businesses, and when we say successful, we don't mean that they stopped being small businesses. We mean that they're just they're good founders that are having a good time, that are running a business that makes them really happy. We always see that they have a little connection of, a little collection of their best business friends around them. So they've always got those people who have their back. We've, they've always got someone that hey, if you've got a sale, don't worry, I'll post it. I'll, po- I'll post about it. If you've got something new coming, don't worry, I'll make sure I jump on and click on that so that the algorithm wants to give you a little bit of love. And so what we're trying to do here is build that for you off the shelf with brands that you would never otherwise have met. And so we're trying to just build that in a way that allows you to be successful from really early on. So cool. And I think, yeah, exactly what you said, like brands that you wouldn't connect with generally. I mean, I think at least in the Bay Area, we have a very like small, small knit community. And especially with our Girl Gang Craft community, we see each other at our shows and at other shows. So it's really cool to see all these brands that, you know, we're not doing craft fairs with. We're not, you know, necessarily, you know, seeing in our virtual or in real life communities here in the Bay Area. So I think it's so impactful to connect with brands from all over the world. Absolutely. And even it's just a case of saying that you, if you're if you're just connected in with brands that are on your, in, like you said, in your part of the world or in your part of the country, what you'll find is, why can't we help you go and get some more customers on the other side of the country? Like if, if maybe, maybe doing a little mini collaboration or being shared by a brand that's based out of Rhode Island is going to get you more customers in Rhode Island because that's naturally how our customer bases work. I think most of your most of your members and audience, if they looked at where their customers are, they're probably geographically centered around where they are, and it will expand and it will be in it'll get better and it will be more diversified the longer they go. But there'll always be that natural like pocketing of customers where they are. So we we want to help you get out there and be sending product to the other side of the country as well. Totally. So why small businesses? So you got your start in social media with small businesses and then big businesses. So why so connected to small business, to makers, to these creative types? For me, it's it's actually, so we've got five-year-old twin girls. And when my wife was, say, like in charge of the shopping and buying things for their room and buying clothes for them and those kind of things, we'd have all these little parcels arriving at the house seemingly every few days that were, they weren't the Amazon box. They were hand-wrapped, hand-packed. You open it up and it's got a little handwritten note in there. And it's just, a for me, it's like a proud wear. I think you, you get to a place where you want to tell people and you want to show people that you're supporting local and small. And, you know, that notion of every time you shop with a little brand, someone, an, an actual person does a happy dance. And, you know, when you shop with a small brand, you're, you're genuinely paying for a little girl's ballet lessons. 
And so for us, it's about that like joyful moment and the connection that you get. And I think that the litmus test for this on me, for me is if you said to someone today, who are your favorite brands? Who are your favorite brands in the world? I think if you go back 10 years, it would all be, oh, it's Nike or it's Gap or it's Apple or whatever. Now it's not that. Now it's oh, like a friend of a friend runs this really cute little dog clothing company down the road and I love them. I just think they're perfect. Or there's this really cute little bonnet making company that's out of Atlanta. And I think that that's, that's a better world. A better world is when we've got this this more like democratized model of where we spend our money because every time we spend our money with a small brand, it genuinely brings us joy. And so I just deeply believe in that mission. Yeah. And you talked about this idea of storytelling earlier. What do you look for in a brand story? What draws you to a brand? It's funny. So I think the most important page, and it's probably not commercially, but the most important page on someone's website is the about us page. So when you can go and see a story and you can go and see what someone's really about and they put themselves out there, I think that's so important. And actually, I've got a friend who she sent out an email yesterday that said from her brand, so she runs a great little brand it's, um, called FODBODS and it's like kind of protein bars, low FODMAP, and she, she's built it up over the last year. She's doing a great job on it. And she sent out an email yesterday announcing that she was she was pregnant. Now, what brand does that? But I think that all your your members would get that, that it's a little bit of a dance with the devil because you, you, you make that decision. It's like, am I going to open myself up? Am I going to be really personal about this? Am I going to let people into my world and, and be that person? I think it's a really interesting trade-off that you have to make. But I think that when you can find that balance that you're really happy with, but still have a really personal connection with your customers, I think it's a really it's a really important thing. And I think it's something, again, that, you want to support the brands that you really want to support and that will bring loyalty and you're not selling your soul to bring loyalty. You're finding the way to connect with your customers that allows you to, to be you and to blur that line between who your customers are and who your friends are and create that managed connection that allows you to, yeah, to tell your story in a really genuine way that, that you don't have to hide things and you don't have to always put on the best face, but you can have a genuine conversation with your customers because that raw trust part, I think is, is again, it's just, it's something that the big brands just can't do. They'll never be able to do, but when we're not going the other way, we're going much more towards this. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, first of all, my website designer says the same thing. The most important page is the year about section for sure. But, you know, this storytelling is something that we teach in our own classes at Girl Gang Craft as well. And I think it's extra important right now in COVID times because, you know, a lot of us rely on this sort of like event marketplace sort of structure for, you know, our revenue and finding new customers. And, you know, small brands have to figure out how to tell their story online. And so I've just been watching everyone's literal like stories on Instagram, right? And I think it's a really cool opportunity to be a little bit more raw, like you said, a little bit more unpolished, you know, share videos of your cats or your your plants, just, you know, really silly things. But people identify with that because like, you're another human going through this time. And you know, people want to support small businesses right now that are struggling too. So I think it is so important just to show that human side of you. Yeah. And even with the app job model, it actually, one of the first reasons we came to this, hey, we should do shout outs on, on stories was 
my wife has a little business and she was she did a post that said hey if you if you were asking where i got my hair ties from because she had her hair and pigtails and so she just tagged the brand as this little brand and then she showed me it's like hey this got 52 clicks on me just telling these people where i got my hair ties from and 52 people went to go and check out that brand just by me telling them and i think that that part is that's not necessarily like raw storytelling but it's in some ways it is and i think that like you said just showing a picture of hey i just bought this new art and i put it up on my wall or just got these new plants from this cute place down the road and i think that again it's it's like oh okay you're actually a human being like you're kind of i like you i actually actually like hearing what you're all about then when you say oh and we've got this in stock now we're just starting to sell this you're going to get engagement on that and you're going to get more people listening to you so you have to choose where the line is for you. And, and some people don't want to show pictures of their kids and some people, some people absolutely do. And so you have to find where your line is and what you're, what you're happy with so that you've balanced it out and that your story is being told how you want to tell it, but still that allows you to tap into the stuff that the big brands can never get anywhere near. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the current time and COVID and small businesses struggling a little bit. What are sort of some of the things that you've seen small businesses get creative? Yeah, I mean, I think right now it's everything's changing. So it feels like every few days you get a message from someone saying, look, unfortunately, we've had to close down the retail store. We loved that place. We met so many of you there, but we're going to flip over to this model and we hope you're still supporting us. So we see that a lot and I get the pain that goes behind it. But I think that a big part of it that, that works really well is showing your journey, showing your story and giving people the want and the will to continue to support you and to continue to be a part of your journey. I think that again, like now is there's no silver bullet to it in terms of what, what you're trying to do. It's just about saying, how am I hustling to find the right way to grow and acquire new customers without me spending lots and lots of money to do it? Because yeah, times are tricky for a lot of people. Some people are flying, but I think that there's a bit of a hidden it's some hidden stats here where everyone says, oh my God, e-commerce spending is up 40% across the last three months. Yes, yeah, because everyone's buying their groceries online and it's not because everyone's all of a sudden flipping their all their spend over from the big guys to the tiny guys. It's that because everyone's spending their money on groceries. So some brands are up and some brands are horribly down because none of us are going to weddings anymore. None of us are going to these certain events that we need formal wear for. And none of us are party planning at the moment so lots of companies are having a really tough time so i think that the this is a way your your story needs to back you up is being being you keeping your message really clear and keeping the flow of conversation up because again people the big brands can't do it you can do it you can have this conversation with your customers where you're saying hey, tough day today. We did this, this, and this. It was a shame we had to let this contract go. It was a shame that one of our suppliers closed their store. We love you guys. We hope to see you again soon. Like that's that's real. That's real life. And, and it makes me want to support you even more. So I would say that it's about keeping your story really true and really consistent and being able to keep on going on those channels, even if it feels like you don't have a lot of maybe new product to talk about. And then the other is finding ways to acquire customers through collaborations and partnerships and those kind of things that will allow you to keep on finding new customers without it being, hey, Facebook, let me pay you $100 a day to reach a bunch of new customers. Okay, so you've totally mentioned Facebook ads a couple times. So I don't have any planned questions for this, but I don't know. Do you want to like go into Facebook ads a little bit? Like why you think it's 
I don't know, problematic or a money suck or again, other alternative ways. (laughs) Yeah. I think the way I look at it is Facebook ads is, is hard. They're really difficult. They're hard to do. For a lot of companies, they're absolutely necessary. And when you work it out, when you get onto it, you can see how to make it work and it might become a part of your ongoing spend when you get to a certain size. I would also say that so I used to run Facebook ads when we were in our agency. You'd run run ads for a while and then we'd get someone else to join the team and it's like, okay, now you're running ads and I'm just going to work on other stuff over here. And then you go back in to check out ads another three months later and, you just, and it's like, whoa, what, what, what happened here? I have no idea what's going on now. This whole ad level, campaign level, audience level, that's all new to me. I don't really know how to do it. So I think that the problem is that it's a very easy way to spend money and if you're not very, if you're not being very, very deliberate about it, you can lose a lot of money in it. I just think it's from that side. I think it's really problematic because you can go and spend two hundred fifty dollars to go and do a Facebook advertising course and learn how to do Facebook advertising over it over a day or two, and that will be right for people who can invest the time into it and want to want to go and learn that channel. Fundamentally, the problem I have with Facebook advertising is. You just don't need to go there if you've got the all the small brands are the ones who built the channel. All the small brands are the ones who have the customers who really love them, and then you're going to go to Facebook to pay them to put an ad on the side of their on the side of those pages. I think that there's just there are better ways to work together, and I would just love to see a model where brands are brands are the media media owners, not everyone just sending up their their money to Facebook. Totally, yeah, and then of course. Have you seen the social dilemma on Netflix yet? No, I haven't seen it just because we were, <laughs> we were just finishing watching Shit's Creek. And so we've Fair. been that. That's a good priority. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a wild, you know, little documentary about, you know, whatever, Facebook owning us as the product, basically, right? And I mean, that's a whole other layer. But, you know, personally, I dove right into the Facebook ads, you know, when I have extra cash flow, throwing some cash at ads, and it's like an impossible situation, like the ROI is not there necessarily. And then if you hire someone, you have to make back not only the ROI on the ads, but also, you know, paying the person to do the Facebook ads for you. And that just seems impossible. And of course, there's a way to do it, but I didn't figure it out. And so I've been focusing on leads only paying for leads with a lead magnet to get email newsletter signups etc but you know it's we get more leads organically it really is and then you know we're blowing 500 to a thousand dollars a month and like there we go in the middle of covid so anyways your amptar model how do you see amptar coming in and replacing Facebook ads and the power going back to us so i think it's going to take more than just amptar to do this but it's basically saying, it's changing that model of saying, look, Facebook's the one who controls the audience or Google, you know, you can spend money on Google advertising and there's, there's others that are trying to come in as being that same model of going to Snapchat and paying on Snapchat ads or going to TikTok and paying for TikTok ads. The creators are the ones who are creating the audience. The creators are the ones who are bringing the people into the channels. So if you're the brand, you're the artist, you're the, you're the, community organizer you're the ones who are bringing people in so the way that i see it is that it's going to take a few steps to get there and maybe amchar is a part of the step that says that gets people to reevaluate whether they should be sending money up up the tree to facebook for them to give us access to talk to those customers but 
I think that it's, it's going to take a little bit more than just Amchar, but I think that the model can hopefully get to a place where more and more of the reward is coming back to the people who are actually bringing people into the audience, which is which is all you guys. So I think it's going to take a few steps, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful for the future where people are going to revolt a little bit and channels change all the time. When MySpace was big, we were all thinking, wow, it's going to take a lot to get rid of MySpace. MySpace. And then now TikToks come in and go back 24 months and no one knew what TikTok was. So what's coming next? And is there a channel that's going to come up that we all have to keep on go and build another audience on, which is, is going to sound painful to a lot of people listening, but it seems like a bit of a flow and a flux. And when we ran the agency, right at the start of running the agency, it was 100% organic reach. You didn't have to pay to reach more customers. Advertising was cheap, so it kind of worked well at that time. But then they brought in the reach algorithms, and that was never the deal. And so now if you post to Facebook, it's like a 1% organic reach. So if you've got 1,000 fans, you might reach 50 or you know even 10. Or if you've got maybe a better, better example, if, if you've got 100,000 fans on Facebook, maybe you put up a post, it's going to reach 1,000 of them. But that wasn't the deal. So when we were paying for advertising in the early days, it wasn't that, hey, all of a sudden they're going to charge us to reach the fans that we've built. So I'm just wary of it. I think it's, I think a lot of people have been stung and have very little trust and faith and loyalty to Facebook. It's kind of just our customers are there, so we have to stay there for now, but it'll change, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you just made a good point too. I mean, not only are we not reaching new customers all the time, but we're not even able to reach our own that we've collected which seems so counterintuitive. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that we teach people to really flesh out their email newsletter, because, you know, as you said, open rates about 18%, whereas eyes on Facebook, Instagram is like one to three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So back to Ampjar. So first of all, why did you decide on the name Ampjar? So naming stuff is hard. I'm sure you know. I'm sure that everyone listening knows. I was talking to a friend the other day who was trying to name something and it's everything sounds stupid until it's the real thing. And yeah, we, we wanted a .com. We wanted a short .com. We actually started off being called Posty. So when we were doing the email thing, we were called Posty and we were goposty.com. And I would say that having like a prefix or a suffix to the name is a challenge because we sent a lot of traffic to posty.com when we were goposty.com. So I guess our parameter was, I want a really clean.com. And then it was a case of saying, what can we come up with? We're going to have to make up a name. We're going to have to make up a word. And it was just, there's no real magic behind it. There's two parts to the word. One is amp, meaning amplify and grow. And the other is jar, which is a, a bit of a nod to the humble roots that most of our customers have of you know selling granola in a jar at a market. So I think it was, it was trying to be those two things. And I think it works okay as with anything. Naming stuff is hard. And, and I think you just have to, you have to go for it and commit to it and, and try to own it as well as you can. And have a better story than I just told them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, it totally works. I got the amplify part initially. Yeah. So the jar <laughs> part, that totally works. Okay, so you switched to a new model this year during COVID times, right? Was that in the plan? That wasn't in the plan before, right? No. So I think if we go back to March, we, I mean, who knew what was coming? I don't. I think maybe did March version of us did the March version of us look at look at this and say this is going to be this bad or worse or better? I, I really don't know. But what I do know is that in March, no one knew what was going on, and retail was all of a sudden just hard stopped. 
And lots of brands that we were talking to were talking about, hey, we're just about to bring out our winter range or spring range or whatever it was. And they were struggling because they were all the people that they were supplying these clothes to were saying, well, we're retail. You want me to buy all this stuff from you? We're just stopping. We're just not doing it. So what we wanted to do was just do something to support our to support our membership. And so what we did at the time is we just said, look, instead of Ampjar being like a monthly cost, we're just going to make it totally free. So we're going to make it totally free because because we can. We can probably just wear this for a few months and we'll take some pain, but we don't want you to have to stop marketing because the thing you need to be able to keep on doing is keep on growing through this time and not kind of huddle down and, and shut the doors. So the feedback we got from that was really amazing. I think it really helped us to build the loyalty in the community that we have now. And I think that was it was something that we didn't see a lot of other people doing it. A lot of A lot of other people or platforms, if you go to them and say, if you went to them and said, hey, we're really suffering, can you give us something? They would. And it's that whole, if you don't ask, you don't get model. But I, I didn't want all of our customers to have to come to us and beg and say, oh, I'm going to leave unless you give me a discount or, or the other way. It's like, oh God, I really like using Amjar, but I can't afford to keep on using it because of the cost. So yeah, we made it totally free. And then what we did was we said, kind of fast forward to July. So a few months of that, we were looking at it saying, how do we get out of this? Because we didn't really go into it with a strategy. So how do we get out of this without, in a way that looks after ourselves, but also looks after our customers as well at the same time? So we said, okay, what if we change the pricing model? So instead of charging people just a flat fee every single month, what if we said to them, look, if you're going to be a sharer, if you're going to be someone who's lifting up other brands, you're going to be the people who are who are really making Abjab what it is, which is this thriving community of brands who are constantly shouting each other out and helping to give each other exposure. Why don't we make it free for those guys? And so for all those folks who are giving the love and sharing and all these all these important things, we said, well, we're going to make it free for you. So if you do 12 shout outs in a month, so it's not too many, if you do 12 shout outs in a month, like three a week, then Abjab's free for you. And so... Our customer base loved that. All of our members were saying, well, I'm doing that anyway and you're, and I'm keeping it free. That's amazing. And then the people who weren't doing that many were saying, well, I was only doing eight, but I can easily get to 12 and, and that's easy for me to do. And if I miss it, if I don't do it, it's $22 a month. Like, I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. But yeah, I think it was a big move. Everyone thinks that everyone else's business decisions are really strategic. This was not a very strategic decision. So we made a decision to say, Let's just do it because we need to do something for our customers and we'll work it out later. So I don't think there's a there's no shame in making decisions on the fly that you just have to make sometimes. And I'm glad we did. I love it. Yeah. Decisions on the fly is the is the name of the game this year. But I think it's so smart too. I mean, it really, you know, encourages people to use Amchar well. And the benefit is a free, not only is the benefit the free use of the service, but the benefit is, well, the more brands that you shout out, the more you get shouted out in return. So you're like, you're exponentially reaching new people, which is awesome. So one thing that maybe we didn't expect was we get questioned on this a lot. So we thought that people would just say, oh, wow, that's a great deal. Let me go for it. But we, we get asked a lot about, oh, well, hang on a second. How does this work for you? Like, why does that work for you? And so we, the people we're dealing with are not dumb. They are smart business owners who know what's going on and they, and they want to understand. It's like, tell me, about what, tell me about how you're doing this. And so for us, it's about, I was using the analogy of someone the other day, I was trying to explain it to a friend of mine and was saying, 
what we want to do is we want to make it we want to make it so that the community is absolutely kicking and screaming doing all the good things helping each other out and we need to make it so that the people who are doing the early building with us at the start are rewarded for that and they're given the value back in return so it's kind of like and I was explained this guy used to work in the hospitality industry so I was saying it's almost like a nightclub it's like if you're a nightclub what you want to do is you want to make sure that you let the girls in free because then, then the guys will come and pay for it later and so we have, you know, when you're outside a club and you see all the guys lined up, it's because they know that there's lots of girls in there. And so they're willing to pay the $20 cover charge, but the girls get in free. So we, I'm not sure that's a great analogy, but it's one I'm trying Hilarious. to Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but so for us, it's the case of saying, we, this only works if people are in here helping each other out. And then later, when, when we've got this to a point where we've got a thousand brands all doing it and it's going crazy because we've got just under 500 now, but when we've got a thousand brands in there and everyone's sharing, this is going to be so valuable for people. It's going to be a genuine alternative to something like Facebook advertising. We then can say, hey, it's, it's $50 a month, but right now it's $22 a month. And if you do the, if you do the sharing, if you shout out 12 other brands, how in whatever way over a month, it's free. Okay. I'm so glad you talked about that too, because that was going to be one of my questions. So do you think everyone's going to be grandfathered in who's who's already under the system or have so, you decided yeah. that? Yeah. So anyone who's, who's a, we've given it a name. So anyone who's a founding member will be a founding member forever. So if you're using AmpJar now as, as you are, it will be free for you forever. That means everyone should sign up now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. That's yeah. Creative thinking. It's such a good exercise in not everything is permanent also, and that you can do things now and then change things later. And like everyone can still be happy if you, if you manage it right. <laughs> so that's great. Okay. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about more about your process building AmpJar as well. So yeah, I mean, you came to Silicon Valley to get funding. Can you talk a little bit about that process? I know most of our listeners are not necessarily on the funding track, but it's something that I'm personally very interested in. And I think a chunk of people are interested as well. And it's also something to like, you know, work towards and get the inside scoop on. So yeah, happy to just give you the inside line of how it all worked and tell you the story because it's different. And I think a lot of people, I mean, you're, if you're in the, as you're in the Bay Area, you know, you'll, you see a lot of this stuff and there's a lot of, a lot of money se- seemingly flying around and, it lands in very different places. So yeah, basically how it worked for me was there was an event. So I'm currently in Melbourne, Australia, and there was an event in Sydney and someone said, Hey, come down to this event and come and pitch on stage. And it's just like this thing. It might be good exposure for you. And so I said, yeah, let's do it. So I flew over to Sydney. I did this little pitch on stage, which went okay. Was this still for Posty or was this Amptar at this point? This was like, we were kind of coming out of being, we were still called Posty, but we were coming out of the model of just being emails. We we're moving towards the model of, it was just shouting out people in emails at that point. And then we were getting to the, we we're kind of evolving in that, in that direction. So pitched on stage and it was a two day event. And so the second day I was kind of ready to leave and had my backpack on about to go back to the airport it's a long way from sydney to sydney airport so we're standing at the back of the room like ready for him to say and it's a wrap right everyone go home now and he's literally the last thing he said was oh and before we just shut the doors i just want to invite a few companies on stage and so he he called me out and he called two other companies out and he said so you you guys have won the startup pitching competition it's like oh incredible he's like well how this works is I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars and I'm going to invite you over to join my accelerator in San Francisco. 
and you're going to pitch in front of the biggest investors in the world. And it's like, wow. Amazing. <laughs> okay, that's pretty mad. But I'm also, I'm very much an optimist, but I think when you don't know an industry all that well and you're a bit of an outsider, you take these things with a real pinch of salt. So I was very much like, yeah, I'll believe when I see it. And so then they sent over a bunch of paperwork and they asked for a few things. I'm like, yeah, here you go. I'll believe when I see it. And then they're like, so what's your bank account details? And I'm like, it's this, but I, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. And then you look at bank account, there's $100,000 has been dropped in there. Then you know it's on. <laughs> and so it's <laughs> so flashback to this point. So I've got twin girls. It's a three-month program. It was kind of over, it was like October through till February. So there was like Christmas in there and Thanksgiving and a few other holidays and gaps and stuff. And so discussed it with my wife. It's like, well, they've already put the money in the bank account. So I kind of, I kind of need to do this. And she's like, yeah, go, go for it. It sounds like, sounds crazy fun. Go, go try it out. And so we arranged that the girls, my wife and the girls were going to come over and do a Disneyland trip in the middle. So that was kind of the, the thing. And then I was going to go home at Christmas. And so it was an accelerator. It was called Launch. And Launch was essentially 12 weeks of get together once a week on a Thursday go to this big swanky lawyer office and sit in front or stand in front of a room and do a three-minute pitch in front of a panel of seven big-name venture capitalist people and just tell them what you're doing for three minutes to the clock. And then there's two minutes to answer questions to the clock and then you get off and we'll see you next week. And so it was, it was like a fast process of getting in front of a lot of venture people every single week and just having a consistent flow of that. And so then you just kept on running your business in between from a, and I'm not sure how many people know San Francisco very well, and maybe it's changing a little bit now, but you're sharing a room in a house. Whereas, you know, back in Australia, I've got a family and we live together, obviously. Whereas now I'm like back in a dorm kind of situation, like, <laughs> like renting and cooking together and all this stuff. So it's a very, very different experience for me. And my wife's kind of holding everything together at home and keeping the girls entertained. And yeah, then week, I think maybe week seven of the 12 weeks, we just got an offer from someone. So someone made an offer and said, I want to, I want to invest in your company. And I was at, it was actually January 5th, which is my wife's birthday. And I was in Melbourne and got this email through and there was another investor that I just really liked and really trusted who was based out of New York, who we'd met through this process. And I said, I kind of called him up and said, Hey, we have an offer. I'll go with it, but I just wanted you to give, I want to give you the option. If I could get to New York tomorrow, I wanted to kind of give you an option to say yes or no. And he said, if you can get to New York tomorrow, I'll give you a yes or a no on the spot. And so this was five o'clock in the morning. And so right on the fifth on my wife's birthday and my wife's obviously still in bed. And I just kind of went back to bed and said, so I have to go to San Francisco. Sorry, I have to go to New York tonight. So I'm going to have to leave in about six hours. And is that okay? <laughs> and so, so yeah, she she was all for it. And she had a postponed birthday. And we flew over to New York, went straight from the airport to the boardroom, sat down with these guys and, and girls. And, and then they said, cool, come back first thing tomorrow morning, came back first thing tomorrow morning. And they made an offer and invested $1.5 million in the company. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great it's story. A so project. many. Yeah. <laughs> a wild ride. It's a very foreign process. And I think it's one of those things where you have, 
you have to take a leap of faith that the model works because I think if this was if this felt like a kind of shady backroom deal and you didn't really know who these people were and what they wanted, that would be very difficult. But in the venture space, there's just a lot of rules for this. Everyone knows what it looks like. Everyone knows how it's playing out. There's a lot of processes that are in place, so you you know what you're getting yourself into. But it's still a bit of a scary thing to go into. There's still a lot of unknowns and a lot of what happens next. But yeah, it all just got done and we raised $2 million total in the end from these guys plus two other people. And yeah, it gives us runway to go and build the company. So we build the company and then we can make decisions like, hey, we're not going to charge anymore because we, we want to make sure that we're supporting the industry and building something for the long run. So what was it like from there? How was it building your team? And your team is located all over the world at this point, right? Yeah, so we we had to make a decision. It's like, are we going to set up an office somewhere and have a nice swanky office and have people who live in that area will choose from that, choose from that model, or do we go a different way? And so what we said was, why don't we, why don't we just put the call out and say, let's see if we employ in New York or Melbourne or LA or just wherever. And the quality of applicants that we got from quote unquote wherever was just so high that we couldn't say that we have to set up an office in this one town because and get worse people to do the jobs. So we we wanted to back the mum who wants to be at home with her kids at four o'clock every day or pick them up from school at three o'clock and then jumps on for a couple of hours later in the day. And we wanted to be around for the person who was living out of Atlanta, Georgia and and didn't want to leave their hometown. And so what it meant was that we could build this team that was full of these underappreciated superstars. And genuinely, I believe so strongly in this model of women who work in a certain industry. If you've worked for a big bank or something like that, and then you've gone off and had a baby, and then you don't want to go work at that big bank anymore, it doesn't mean that you're that you're useless. It means that you just don't want to work at that big bank anymore. You need to you need to find a company that's willing to give you willing to give you flexibility. So we're willing to give flexibility to get awesome people and get them to come work for our company. So yeah, we have we have our head of customer success is a is a mum of two kids who lives up on the central coast in New South Wales in Australia. And yeah, if we if we built our team out of San Francisco or New York, we we wouldn't have her in the team. And that sucks. So how big is your team right now? So we have 14 people. Awesome. And, you know, with with people all over the world, you've created a COVID, a COVID proof situation already. Yeah. And obviously, we've all seen the models of, well, you hear a lot of stories of Pinterest is closing their office in downtown San Francisco. And so is Twitter. And so is this company. And no one's been to New York for the last six months, even if you used to work out of out of you know the Chrysler building so people just are staying away from the big cities and everyone's doing stuff on zoom which is tiring to a degree but we're, we're all working it out and yeah for now the model that we have helped us get away with it so what is next for Amtar? so i think next the way we see it is we're just we're driven for this mission we really want to just help to continue to support brands in this way we we care a lot about starting to spread the word more and more and just getting more and more people to really love what we're doing. So there's no massive product change that we're focused on. We just we love this mission and every single brand we help out is a, is a really big win to us. And so we're just starting to spread the word even more. We're setting up some more partnerships, we're getting out there and and just exploring. The one future that we think that is next on the horizon for us is is local. So the local scene has changed so much where you used to have this little shopping strip where 
all these businesses were and they would get passing traffic from each other and we want to help them we want to be able to help you know the restaurant and the salon and the butcher shop to be able to work together it takes a certain level of scale to get there but i think that for now it's it's just a it's a massive it's a massive challenge where we all used to go down to these areas and we're doing so much of our shopping online and all these brands are being forced to move online we want to help them so that they're not stuck in this place of saying right so now i have to move online i've never done this before now i have to set up a website i've never done that before and now i have to try to learn how to grow like what they're good at is telling someone oh yeah the bookshop around the corner is really good go check them out and so we want to do that we want to bring this this model to local and what advice do you have for small businesses as we start to navigate through the holidays and continuing our online presence and maybe maybe going back to in real life stuff, but really sort of continuing to create resilience online? Yeah, I think it's about consistency of story. So I think it's about keeping your story front and center, allowing your customers to be a part of your journey. If there's wins that come your way, you want them to want you to win. So I think it's important to be able to just keep that keep that up, keep pointing the camera at yourself, keep having those conversations. And then through the whole thing, whether you're on the up or feeling like you're on the down, it's like continue to work with other brands, continue to find ways to collaborate with someone and reach out to someone you never knew existed and say, hey, is it, would you be up for, for doing something together? Like I think that model will get you through this genuinely. So feel, so feel your way through it try something, throw, throw something out there and just keep talking to your customers through the process. Love it. So yeah, you can sign up for AmpJar, bit.ly slash AmpJar, that A is capitalized. Where else can people find you, Pete? Yeah, I'm, I'm not very good on Twitter, but I'm probably in out there. I think it's at Pete Davis UK. And that's another bad naming thing. I really should have worked it out, but I grew up in the UK. And so I went with that and regret it for every single every day <laughs> and so and i would say we're very open as a company we're a small company i love hearing stories so you can just hit me straight up like i'm it's peteramchar.com i love hearing stories i love being able to support other people if you want to come on and you want a little bit of want a bit, a bit of help just let me know i'm happy to help out and help you to have direct contact with our customers because i just love hearing stories and love hearing different situations and circumstances and seeing what we can do to help Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Pete. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I appreciate being the, I think the first guy on the show. And I, and first guy on the show. <laughs> we have, I think we have 97% female customer base. And for us, I think it's an interesting one because we want to make sure that we keep on supporting that. And I think that that comes purely from the fact that women lean in more to this stuff. They want to help each other out. They see the strategic benefit and the strategic opportunity of being community-minded and karmic marketing-minded. So yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be able to talk to a great community like yours. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks. So there you have it right from the founder's mouth. We love Ampjar here at GGC. It really has made a strong sense of community and has really helped our marketing efforts. It's really cool that it's free if you shout out three brands a week. Super cool, easy to use, just add it to your weekly tasks. And yeah, sign up at bit.ly slash ampjar, A-M-P-J-A-R, J-A-R, the A is capitalized. We have a cute little GGC badge now on the site, so you can really be a part of the GGC community on Ampjar. Thank you all for listening. This has been 
an amazing 2020, our first podcast season. And I hope you have a fantastic holiday and we'll see you in the new year. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.